All right, so I am here with the voice of everyone's favorite towering mass of eyes and teeth, uh, Dane. Uh, so I'm here with Clyde. Hi, Clyde. Hello. Yeah, so um, I guess uh, I'll start this out the way that I've started out every other um, kind of interview I've done with the others so far. So, um, you know, since this is the first time we've actually gotten to do any like interview stuff, tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself, how you got into acting, how you got involved with the show, that sort of thing. Um, well, uh, with the acting pretty much, I've always been really interested in acting and everything. I fell in love with, uh, like movies and film and everything as a, as a small child. Cause really, um, growing up, um, like when my family uh, immigrated to America and stuff, we didn't have cable for like a, a for a, a fairly decent amount of time. So all we had were like the VHS tapes and, and stuff of yeah. movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I grew up watching these movies uh, a lot, just, you know, kind of like lear- really learning my English through sure. that and um, really enjoying the, the larger than life depictions of stuff that I wish that yeah. I could live. You know what I mean? And yeah, so what, was there just out of curiosity, was there anything in like you said larger than life depictions? Was there particular ones that really resonated with you? Well, I mean, uh, you gotta go with some classics like from childhood movies like Home Alone, that kind of stuff, being able, you know, yeah, like uh-huh. I just like, you know, the idea of being in a house alone and you know, having to like defend yourself against these people who just want to rob the house and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Um, just the 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 fanatical the fantastical scenario in which that would happen and everything and just the the zaniness of it kind of really um appealed to me because i was like oh i want to yeah. i want to do these things i want to defend my house against two robbers uh, or whatever sure, and then also sure. and also like i was it with um that would be like my best example of like a, a live action movie. And the other ones are like the Disney movies and stuff growing up. I grew up watching Aladdin a lot, like a, okay. a lot. And so I was like, sure. I'd love, I'd love to be a prince. I know I can't cause I'm already, you know, not a prince, but that'd be cool if I could oh. be turned into a prince. So. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. The, I, I appreciate that point you make about like only having physical media. Cause I think, I hate to pull the kids these days don't understand what it was like, right. but there was kind of that. I, I think, you know, now more and more kids are growing up with things like Disney plus Netflix, whatever, where you have, it's, it's really the bigger issue is a paralysis of choice. Right. And yeah. And so this idea of only having like the one movie that you can watch over and over again. Right. Is, I, I remember that. Yeah. It's just like the, I'm trying to remember There was another movie uh, that really, um, that I really, really idolized. It was the the Christmas movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he was the they dressed up in the. Is it Jingle All the Way? I don't think that's it. It's um, I'll look it up because <laughs> okay, okay, Christmas movie Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, it is Jingle All the Way. The because tur- he was trying to get the Turbo Man action figure for his kid and everything, yeah. and he dresses up in Turbo um, Man. I always thought it would be cool. It's like, oh, I'd love to dress up as like an action figure for whatever yeah. kids and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, like so that was another that was another movie I watched a lot of yeah. as a kid. So what about kind of more of the transition into voice acting versus, you know, uh other types of acting? Yeah. So 
I kind of started the idea of doing the voice acting and everything really started when I started uh, learning more about like full on, like uh, really leaning into the animation, like growing up with shows like Dragon Ball Z, Inuyasha yes. and Yu Yu Hakusho and everything. I was like, mm-hmm. I, me and my brother, we would, me, we would memorize lines and we would recite them back to each other and everything. Oh my in, in God, our, that's cute. Yeah, in our best imitations that we could do, uh-huh. especially the Dragon Ball Z, like it, going into the shower and doing the, the power up, the Saiyan power up and everything. Yeah. It was such a huge inspiration for me to really kind of like see what I could do with my voice and everything as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that actually played a lot into uh, really helping shape uh, the versatility that I have now. Because you know, if I had without, I think without the uh, the extremeness that anime can give uh, yes. and everything, I don't think I would have had the courage to explore the other facets of my voice, which mm-hmm. kind of carried on into when I went into traditional theater when I was in middle school and high school and in a theater there. And I found that uh, what I really enjoyed the most was uh, the dialect training and really figuring out what I could do with my voice more than what I could do with my body. Um, Because I've never, I've never had like the great, I've never found like the greatest control over my body and everything. Like I've, because I'm very, very, generally very expressive and so sometimes when a little bit more subtlety is needed it's hard for me to do that physically and so i i've found that i tended to enjoy the voice work more uh than the physicality of it and that carried on into it went into college and i i started thinking about doing the voice acting things in the middle of i would say probably like junior year high school um okay okay yeah when i would um that was really when I started doing dialect work, um, a little bit more hardcore and refining the stuff that I had and kind of uh, putting it to practice in front of friends and family and stuff as like mm-hmm. party tricks and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, and that kind of blossomed into something. And I, it all went to the wayside a little bit in college when I was just focusing on going through school. But as soon as mm-hmm. I got out, and I started um, doing D and D more, like being a dungeon master more, um, like more like uh, primarily and everything. I played a little bit and stuff yeah. growing up, but when I really started to make it like a, a huge hobby of mine, I realized how much I liked doing the voices and how much fun, like how what I could do with it. And I thought, oh, I can, I can do something with this. Now, just out of curiosity, when did you, like, how many years ago did you kind of start being a bit more serious about it, I guess, quote-unquote? Um, starting playing D&D seriously, I started playing it seriously around 2011. Okay, um, yeah. It was, I, that was when I started playing it seriously. It was, uh, that was a junior year. I started playing it with some friends. And then I ran a couple games, and then I didn't start dungeon mastering seriously. I think until 2015, right after I graduated um, okay. uh, college. So. so we actually started a bit more like GMing. You were a little bit ahead of me. Um, so, but yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. It just, I decided I was like, I want to run some campaigns and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I would love to give this setting to somebody else to run, but I have my own voices in my head and uh, I might yeah. as well, I might as well let them loose, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am kind of curious, uh, and this can kind of lead into the the next question a bit. Because um, I guess, you know, I guess to sort of wrap that one up, like in terms of how you got, how did you get involved with uh, that kind of more, I guess, like we all met through the SCP archives, Discord I've talked about the ever two at oh, yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really quite answer the question that, and that, that's, no, that's okay. That, these yeah. are meant to be open-ended. Yeah. So. so, um, I guess really what started it is that one time I had a friend that, uh, enjoyed the voices that I did for, um, the campaign and everything. And they had, they had talked to me about bringing me on to do voices for, um, like a voice of a character in their campaign and everything. And that just kind of really sparked the idea that, Oh, I could like actually do this. Like not only yes. I'm, like I was just doing this as a hobby, just kind of entertaining. It. And I was like, I could actually do this. And I let that faster for a couple of years. Um, until one day, um, really, I just decided, you know what? Like, let's, let's take this seriously. Let's actually do this. No, like I, I had done little, little voiceover stuff for friends and like small side projects. I I decided I'm going to start auditioning for stuff. Um, and I'm just going to start looking up some stuff. So I just started, I, I put my feelers out there and I was just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm happy to do voice work and everything. I didn't really know how to get quite started. So I just, started with yeah. friends i was just like hey if you know anybody that needs to do voice work you've you've heard my voices that i can do let them you know yep. you would think like if it's something you think it would fit for me tell your friends and i would tell my friends my family and then i decided to audition for the scp archives and yes. that was my first um paid role um okay and everything yeah. for to voice I believe was it Y two four Arizona for SCP. Yeah, oh, I loved your voice. I was listening to that first episode. You were so good. Oh, thank you. Uh, to be, uh, yeah, for SCP seventeen thirty, right? I don't know something mm-hmm. like I'm trying to remember, but I should know Names. it. I should, We're not nerds. Uh, I should uh, I should know it because it wasn't even that long ago. But um, we know it's bad. Sometimes I actually don't even when I get things. I always have to remember. It's like oh, yeah, I have to go back and like listen to the thing I was in, and I'm like oh, yeah, I should do that. Right? I? Yeah. Like uh, when the episode had come out, I was like, I don't remember recording my lines yeah. and I was like yeah. oh like I gotta remember and so like I, was, I remember playing it through the first time I was like okay it's starting to come back to me it's starting to come back I was like oh this should be a part where I'm coming in soon and then I remember listening to it and I was like that's me that's actually me like I actually did a thing and I, and like I got paid for it it's great and yeah. so it was just it was I remember that feeling and I got um that first casting was really really exciting and i think it was just a sure. step it was the step that i needed that that little boost to be like i can do this as a thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i can work towards this and so that really propelled me to start auditioning for more roles and yeah. uh, um i really started putting myself out there i made my demo reel myself and everything and i just, i am curious what else have you been in anything over the scp at this point in our show um I did a um that you can talk about obviously I realized there might be yeah, NDA stuff. Um but. I currently voice uh there is a there are some YouTube videos out there um done by Comic Dub, C dub uh, for short, of okay. that are uh they are readings of the uh 
of comics. And mm-hmm. I, I play Bigby in the Wolf Among Us comics. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, um, I am the voice for Bigby in the reading of the comic for, for uh, the Wolf Among Us. I also did a part in, uh, this was also another comic reading for, um, but it was a, it was for a, I'm trying to remember exactly the issue of the comic, but it was for, uh, Django Fett. It was, uh, oh, kind of, shit. It, I didn't do, I, I didn't do the voice of Django Fett actually, sure, but, but still. I did the voice of Jester Muriel and uh one of the other uh side characters but it wasn't in english either we decided we did it in the tri- in the uh in the in-universe language of mandoa so oh i got to God. speak i got to speak the mandalorian language for um a single issue of the comic and, and everything and read for Jess and Marie. Just curious, are these like official Star Wars comic things? Are these like a yeah, fan these, project? These were, yeah, these are like, a, uh, this was for the Legends comic of like That's how Jango. That's yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, it was really, really interesting because I, I was, they were like, like, oh, your voice is great and do this thing. How much do yeah, you know great, about right. Mandoa? And I'm like, Mando, what? So I, I'm not a nerd, bitch. <laughs> like I knew the language existed, but I didn't know how fleshed out it was. Yeah. So over a weekend, I decided to study and learn the Mandalorian language and oh, do fuck. that for the role. You're so much more committed. To, I would have just been like, oh God, I got to do school again. <laughs> yeah. Like I sat, I sat down with um, uh, my my partner at the time and because uh, they had more knowledge of the uh the language and i was like i you know help me work through this kind of stuff and it was luckily enough when i was reading through the language it had a couple similarities to some um like southeast asian languages which is uh, which are uh, something that i'm phonetically a little bit more familiar mm-hmm. with since mm-hmm. filipino um shares sure. a couple sounds with that so it was much <laughs> easier to pronounce it was harder for me to like remember some of the uh at least uh some of the the spellings and the phonetics associated with it there so you know i'm gonna totally ask you to say something in mento and now oh uh, it's okay if you can't if i look up something i can i can say it for you I'm just like reading the lines. Yeah, what, what are you, what, what was that? Um, so what I started with is, harvest machine's broken, stop it and work. What's that? Um, so, what is it? is the harvest machine is broke harvest machine broken stop it and work is what's that uh, food there's a penniless man in the fields who then yeah uh, harvest machine Django last order. And Interesting. Then, so I'm trying to say like, Oh the, my God, that's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. It was, it was really, really fun. 
to be able to to do that. You're a Star Wars character. I was a like, yeah, I was a Star how, Wars. How character. few people can say that you are a Star Wars character? Yeah, so it was it was really really interesting. It was it was a great time. I had a ton of fun doing that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I had a couple other line. There's a couple projects that I'm in now. Um, I. Always, I'm always just presumed that unless until it's out or unless I'm given word otherwise, uh, yeah, I can't, can't say anything. Uh, I'm about excited. It. Yeah. yeah, no, that's um, great. And then obviously, I'm in the uh, in our in our podcast, in like our my, show, in yeah, our show, you know, just in a minor monster. role, just really, a, yeah, you know, small role, um, a small role, playing a monster. So. Um, yeah, so that's actually a good transition point then uh, for my next question, which is like I, I sort of jokingly introduced you as a, a towering mass of eyes and teeth, but the design for Dane is definitely, it's really unique and evocative. Like I, when you came to me with that whole idea of like, he's got scars that look like mouths and they open up and there's eyes. I was like, all right, I don't think I've seen much like that. So like, where did you get inspiration for that from? So there were, I'm not going to lie. Like again, once again, I got um, inspiration from um, anime. Well, in this in this specific time, uh, this is uh, it was a, a comic. Actually, it's um, some people uh, may know it, but it was um, it's from God of High School, and um, one of the characters um, has it's a thing. It there, I guess spoilers or whatever. But um, one of the characters has this ability to like basically like sharks there's like shark teeth and everything basically yeah. like so open mouths everywhere but there's a part in the story where um the mouths are kind of like on his body and there's like the teeth and use uh teeth and the eyes and the darkness and the void and stuff and it's on the character and i remember seeing the character i remember seeing the design for that character and i thought to myself they didn't quite go far enough yeah, and that was my thought with it, and I was like, "It's not far enough," because they only gave him like two or three mouths on his body, and I'm just like, sure. "I was like, you could take it farther and still like keep the the thing." And I was like, "I get it." On one in one hand, you want to keep the aesthetic of the character and everything, mm-hmm. so that they're still recognizable, and then, but also at the same time, like they're not really supposed to be quite as monstrous, you know, in that regard. They're, the mon- yeah. the monster in their per- uh, in them is more of their personality rather than their appearance which is okay. something i was like okay i understand and it was just something i had tucked away in my head and then i remember when we decided to um do run that one shot i yep, was like yep. I, w- I when i heard about it, i was like i want to make something monstrous I want to play a monster. I've been playing, I've been wanting to play a monster for a long time. Oh yeah. And I remember that, that idea had sprung into the back of my head and I was like, I want to do this, but I want to do more. I want to make that like an entire facet of the character. I want that. I want the design to really kind of like, I want it to revolve around that. And so that was kind of how I decided. I was like, well, if I've got teeth, and mouths on my body for weapons. I would want a lot of weapons. Yeah, right. right? Go big or go home. Yeah, it's like I don't want to just be restricted to the one. I want to have weapons on the back of my hands, the front of my hands, on uh, my chest, or wherever. Just like basically, like if I if 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 this is a creature, if this is a monster that has been designed 
to be monstrous, it should also be efficient. Or, you know what I mean? And so I, I decided, I was like, okay, well, they're going to be mostly human looking because I can't be walking around looking like a monster all the time. But and then I just decided, I was like, oh, let's do mouths. But like, how do you, but like, how do you allude to the fact that there are just mouths? So I decided to do the scars that with the way that I drew them just looked like kind of zipped up teeth. And everything, and that just kind of went from there. The tongues I decided to add later. The the eyes yeah. was definitely a neat. Like I was like, I want eyes. I want that. I want it to be unsettling because I know. Yeah. So it's funny you said it anime, um, but not the one I was thinking of because we talked about this. The anime that comes to my mind with that design is Full Metal Alchemist because I think both Pride. Oh yeah. And Gluttony have mouths that open up with like eyes in them or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, although they're not quite as concealed, at least the same way that Danes are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Those those characters that kind of come to mind a little bit after the fact. I think it's also because Full Metal Alchemist for me is a little bit further out of my. I, I usually things that are more recent are more vibrant to me. So, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I had I had just finished watching God of High School the first season, uh, sure. probably like. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It feels, I'm trying to remember exactly when it came out. I think it was probably within the three months of us doing the one shot. Wow. So, okay. um, yeah. so it was definitely more fresh and that's kind of where the inspiration came from there. But like, once you mentioned, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. They do. Yeah. So they do have the thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. So then, Oh, did you have something else you wanted to say about the design? Oh, nah, no, nothing really. Um, the thing I was going to go into next, uh, is it's interesting to me because Dane from this game Monster of the Week is not D&D, right? The, the yeah. stats, while they are relevant and certainly the rules, the rules have been thought out and they are structured enough. It is not that type of like, like D&D in a lot of ways, 5e less so, but D&D is almost meant to be like a video game to yes. a certain extent, like in terms of having that. Because I think a lot of folks might not quite get that like like D was video games before video games for video games totally. at least the type of video games we think of like rpgs and stuff and a lot of early rpgs were sort of trying to replicate oh, the yeah. D experience but on a on a pc um and so but but there are mechanics that are important i think dane is such a fascinating character for me mechanically because he is very very in as much as you can min max something in this game right I mean, Dane is almost max maxed in certain ways. Um, cause he's like, cause he's very like, y- you deal a lot of damage and you have the life drain thing. And so it is very much like Dane is yeah. very, very powerful. But I think what's been interesting is it, it, there's all the potential there for the character to be kind of like a Mary Sue and to, to not be particularly interesting, but Dane is very much not that. So I'm just kind of curious, like how have you sort of used those traits and those mechanics and balance them to make sure that the character is like is intimidating and clearly powerful, but not like flawless or overpowered to a fault. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I definitely enjoy about the, the the system that we're playing with is that there's very much just a lot of room for failure, you know? And so I kind of leaned into that. I was like, I, I said, I was trying not to min-max the character, and it, it just... It's, and it's, I don't mean that as a fault. No, no, no. I, I think You're it good. is, yeah. It's just, it's an unfortunate habit of mine that when I play something, I was like, how could... It's not even making, like, min-maxing the character. It's just more so, how can I make this character the most of who they are? Yeah. And, 
usually it just ends up being them, them being really good at like the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I decided to make Dane, it, it, it kind of went back to that design as like, if this character is a monster and he's lived this long, there must be something about him that works. And yeah. I decided, and so I really decided to lean into the, the whole, his personality and his mentality and everything isn't really what has truly carried him this far as much as it is the, the physical abilities and the monstrous uh, abilities that has really kind of helped him survive this far. Cause, and I kind of, I try to lean into that sometimes with the way that he thinks about things. Cause he does, you know, sometimes thinks that he's invincible and yes. and all of that and because in that, some ways he is like yeah, and, from and, his perspective yeah but it's it's also you know something that will get him into a lot of trouble and stuff yeah. that where where i want him to get into trouble because yeah, it's, exactly and it's it's kind of that idea that always I, I i always try to affirm the idea that if it wasn't for his monstrous powers he would have been dead a long time ago because of the way that he acts and the way that he thinks yes. and everything uh-huh. and i figure in a character for a character that is physically perfect i want him to be imperfect in every other facet that i can yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know let him be prideful and brash and uh you know insensitive sometimes um a little dull and everything but you know with with moments of sharpness in areas that make sense for him and and so you know if i i was just like i want the most that i can do in terms of you know making him the most him is making his character stats in in a way the most him and then i'll work out the rest let him make his mistakes Mm -hmm, especially in the system and everything where failure isn't necessarily like like a hundred percent failure like it's just it's just the next step that leads to whatever Mm -hmm. and everything and it's Mm -hmm. another moment for character growth and everything whereas like sometimes unfortunately like when it comes to like uh games like D&D where it is it can be like a hard pass or fail there's no modicum yeah. of success you know yeah um which is you know one of the things that you grow to learn uh, and love about D&D in, in a manner of speaking yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just like it's hard to make characters that fail i i i don't want to say it's hard i think it's a little bit more challenging to make characters and that that are allowed to fail in a system that is very much geared towards binary success or failure. Yes. So, yes. Cause I mean, you know, D and D is it's you're, you're right. Cause for the most part in D and D and there's certainly some wiggle room, yeah. but it is very much your role is high enough or it is not. There's right. the, the thing about most of the, there's that middle there's, and that's where most of the roles fall is in that seven to nine right. range. Right. Oh Yeah. And that's and that's where most of my roles have been. That's also one of the yes. reasons why I don't want to increase any of Dane's stats because I just like I like that middle area. I like yeah. I like that teeter of will this succeed or will this fail? Whereas like you know, mm-hmm. whereas like I, in the, I think go oh, sorry, go ahead. I was no, I, no, no, go. I was like whereas in like when Dane is in combat, I can roll a little bit more confidently. Because just the odds of it and everything, and which makes sense for the character, but with everything else, you know, it it would make sense yeah. for him to be a little bit more trepidatious. Yeah, 
I mean, Dane's not trepidatious, no. but you probably are. When oh, you're I am. Yeah, you know, just like, mm, how will this fuck over the rest of the party? Probably, but Dane will do it. Here you go. Yeah, your reactions to your bad rules are so fun. Like I was editing episode seven with Slurpee, and when you messed that episode up, you know, when you messed that roll up at the end, where you're trying to save, or you're you're just like, oh no, I know. I was so like, ah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was so, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, something that's kind of been fun about Dane is I, I will get, I've gotten this reaction from a few people that listen to it where they will like express that they love the character. I'm like, oh, he can like do no wrong. And I, I just, it's cause Dane, you talk about playing him brash. He's not, he's not so cons- He doesn't like hate people. He's not consistent. Like there's a lot of moments where he is like, especially like with Tempest, like where he is the one mm-hmm. to, to be the, the one to show them kindness and understanding and kind of take them through it. Yeah. But there's also a lot of moments where like, I think my, yeah, the episode that I've always said where we really started to, um, I think really, I was like, okay, we have something really good here was episode three. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them was that, bit between Dane and Ashton where Dane is just like pissed that he did not get every single, like he's oh, like, yeah. he's literally like mad. He's like, a, he's like a 12 year old playing COD. Who's mad that his kills got stolen. Yep. It's so good. Yep. And it was definitely one of those moments where it's like that. I think that was honestly like when I, I was just wait, I was waiting for like a moment of combat where mm-hmm. I can be like, Dane is this, this, you know, this, this funny towering lumbering guy who's kind of dull, but, and all of that. But then like once, once he's allowed to unleash his monstrous side for like real and everything, that's when the pride will take over. And I was like, this is, I, I knew I was like, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to show any flaws in this character, I want it to be then I want it to be right then to show that this character is not all sunshine and rainbows and stuff yeah. that you that you enjoy and everything like i don't i don't want to make a perfect character i've never have i just i want to make no, oh, i want to yeah. i want to make a real character someone that and yeah dane feels very real dane feels like someone who and i think that's where it works is because you mentioned dane has lived so long i think it doesn't make sense like he doesn't necessarily have the brashness that like a younger character might it's there's something that's a little bit different in the flavor of it yeah where his his is sort of more like i have lasted this long like whatever happens like i will you know get past it there's that's that type of invincibility right rather than just like you know nothing's hurt me before you know or like it's like i can do anything whereas dane is just like i have done everything i'm good so yeah it's like yeah yeah, it's that earned overconfidence, I suppose. Yeah, and that's a good way of describing it because um, it is that sort of like I can handle everything, but I think Dane doesn't always think about maybe everyone else can't. Yeah, right. Is the flaw with him? Yeah, that's very much uh, another. That's, that's like that's also like the pride thing, where it's just like what because if I like I remember the conversations when it's just like when they're talking about dealing with the monster, it's always. I'll kill it or I'll deal yes. with it and everything. It's never we'll deal with it or we'll kill mm-hmm. it. It's just yep. me, me, me. Like I'm going to kill it. Cause I can do this. I don't care about it. Like, you know, I don't know what y'all can do, but I can kill it. And yeah. I, you know, cause that's just, that's Dane's uh, thought process. It's just, I can do it. So doesn't. Yeah. 
I remember when Dane proposes the idea of like, oh, I'll just eat the thing before it appears. And I was, I just, I was thinking about, cause y'all had kind of seen it, but I was thinking about the size of mm-hmm. capitalist charybdis as we've affectionately referred to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I just like, there's no, there's like, even Dane cannot do that. But I love Dane is like, no, I can just eat this all in oh, one yeah. night and be fine. Oh, it's yeah. totally fine. And that, yeah. And so the, the little windows into the pride there, you know, where yeah. just, yeah. So, yeah, they've been, they've, they've been so, so good. Um, so, uh, you know, talking about pride, uh, transitioning to a slightly different emotion. What is, I've asked everyone this because we're a horror show. It's been interesting. What is your biggest fear? Um, both like your biggest concrete fear, like fear of a physical object or more of a concrete phenomenon, and then more like an existential dread or fear or something that you have for me. Um, my biggest physical fear. Uh, I'm trying to think because I'm not really yeah. like. I've always I've always described this to people before, like when I work with like animals and everything. It's just uh, there's I was like, aren't you afraid of like getting bitten and everything? And like I've always explained, it's like it's not. I'm not afraid of getting hurt because the pain doesn't matter to me. I'm get, I, It's like I'm always annoyed with having to deal with the consequences after the fact because i can deal with Mm. i can deal with the pain i don't have to have to deal with medicine and having to rest the limb and all that kind of stuff i think my biggest my biggest my biggest physical fear is like i guess i guess anything that like anything that i couldn't like physically deal with you know okay you know what i mean like I say like a standard fear for people would be like heights and everything, but it's, but for the most part, it's not really the fear of the height. It's the fear of falling from that height. Right. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause like, mo- you know, you're not really afraid of being high up. You're just afraid of, but well, that, that's not, it's a blanket. You're statement. afraid of being down. Yeah. Fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, cause then when, when, when you're up that high, if you fall, you're, you're going to, die most likely right mm-hmm. and i think like i would be afraid of stuff like that you know like but i it's okay if yeah it's okay if nothing immediately comes to mind no i the thing is though is like i'm genuinely not really afraid of anything physical it's mostly like existential stuff so then what's your existential one then my existential one <sighs> I, you can say more than one if you want to i would say one of my biggest existential fears is definitely just not being useful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like where I, I hate that state of like when I work at a place, like when I work at a new place, I hate that state of like, I have nothing to contribute and I feel useless. Yeah. Whereas like, I can't like, when I, I guess the helplessness that's the helplessness is really one of my biggest things when I can't do anything either to help my situation or somebody else's just Mm -hmm. whether no matter what capacity that is emotional, mental, physical, um, you know, cause I, a lot of my, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of my self-worth comes from how useful I am in any given Mm -hmm. particular scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, in my relationships with my friends, it's like, 
what can I provide for this person or what benefit yeah. can I give them? And that gives me my sure. own self-worth or yeah. like, and at work, you know, what, uh, what things, what tasks am I able to complete? What responsibilities am I given? And that kind of stuff. And that gives me worth. Um, but like when I don't, I think was it because there was an incident earlier this week that happened at work that left me really doubting any of my like abilities in both in and out of work. And that really like crippled me emotionally. And I found myself like reverting like 10 to 15 years. I like, I felt like, I felt like, I felt like a, I felt like a small child again. And like, I, I found that like when I went to work, I couldn't function in the way that I could. I was like, no confidence. All I wanted to do was like cry and like, uh, like curl up. It's like, I've like, I remember it distinctly too. It's like anytime anybody would like come around when I was at that point, cause I just felt so useless or so like, I just wanted to shrink away. Like somebody would be walking down the hall. And like, even though I like, I was very clearly like not in their way, I would like, like retreat within myself and like push myself up against the wall. And I would like apologize to them, even though there was like nothing. I was like, Oh, sorry. I'm in the way. So mm-hmm. I would, it was like, so that's definitely one of my biggest existential yeah, fears. Cause I, we've, we've all talked about our various manifestations of ADHD. And I relate to that a lot. Cause I think you've, and you can stop me if this is not something you're talking about, but I, I think you've tweeted about it. So um, like reject, rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. dysphoria. Yeah. RSD. You're, yeah. Cause I, I, sucks. I just, it does. And I didn't know it was a thing. Thing and to like, it's only been about the last year that I've realized, oh, I probably have ADHD and I should do something about mm-hmm. it. And so I've learned a lot more. And I was like, oh, not everyone just gets that like incredibly paralyzing feeling of of just like having horribly upset everyone. And you just like the uselessness thing too resonates a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I also like only recently learned about that. Like o- only within I would say like the last. Three years did I really consider the fact it's like oh I might have ADHD yeah right. and I like I because there was just certain things I would read and I was like oh that sounds like me oh that sounds like yes. me oh, that sounds yes. like me mm-hmm. and I would like, I'd read more into it I was like oh that's that sounds a lot like me I have like a lot of these things yep. and then you know it's just yeah, and it was, it's just like it was always really interesting. And then realizing it's like I, I had looking back on a lot of things that I had done in my life, um, particularly like with my family and everything, um, there would be arguments I would get into with my father specifically. And he would always ask me, Why are you so angry? And I didn't have mm-hmm. an answer. Like, I like when, yeah. when, I would get so unreasonably upset at something that they would like critique me on or something. And I never understood. Yeah. I was just like, that doesn't feel like a normal response, but I'm like, I would get so upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like particularly with my family, like that would be like, I would just get upset, like angry yeah. at the response. Yeah. But if it was like anybody else, I would just be like, very, you know, the whole crippling for like, I've disappointed yeah. all of you. Like, I'm just going to go shrivel away and die. Everything at like the smallest of things. And I didn't know the longest time I was like, why, why is it like that? Like, that doesn't feel like 
it doesn't feel like or sound like a normal response. Yeah, because it's not. Because it's not. <laughs> like I would talk to I would talk to my friends. I'm like, I don't know why it's like that. I don't know why I'm so angry. But then after it's done, I'm fine. Yeah. But so. Yeah, that is a big like that because rejection sensitivity dysphoria is absolutely like it's it's fear related. It's that fear of like, oh, I finally which which kind of um you know, there's a difference between autism and ADHD, but when I was uh, doing that bit with Tempest and Archibald, where he says that thing of like, maybe I just said the wrong thing and I didn't know it. And that's why she left and everything. And and that, that was pulling, right. you know, from both things I have read about autism um, and also my own experience of like rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria of that fear of just like, maybe I won't know what it was that I did. And so you're just constantly worried about everything that you say. Yeah. That, that it's been a downfall honestly, of like a lot of, uh, I would say like a lot of my own relationships and everything, because I would sit, I would, I, I would, cause I, I very, we, I would be very focused on like the other person's mood and the way they would respond to things and everything. I would get accustomed and I would say something and they would respond to it differently or wrong. And I, I would just, I would latch onto it and I'd be like, yeah. why did they react that way? Was it something yeah. I said? could I have said it better? Is it related to something? And then my brain would just spiral and I would just sit on that and go within myself. And it's, you know, a lot of my previous partners, they never really quite understood like why, what, you know, when I start spiraling or when I kind of retreat within myself after something and I, you know, you know, communication is important, but sometimes with, RSD, it's hard to communicate that in a way that is not, I guess, in the way like overbearing to somebody who doesn't understand. Yeah, because part of what you're you're afraid of is the chain, right? Because you the chain reaction, because you you see that it's different, and you're like, oh, does that mean anything bad? And then you try to like ignore, like, hey, did that mean anything different? And then you're like, oh no, yeah, I've now now I've actually there wasn't a problem until I made one, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, that is, it's like one of the hardest things that's taken for me to like overcome. And I still do it nowadays, but like with, um, with, I, I've been able to make uh, some good strides and stuff with that because Mm -hmm. my, my, my current partner has been very understanding and, um, to like try and understand how like that works in my brain and everything. Sure. And so sometimes when they notice that something's off with me, you know, they was like, you know, they may be like, Hey, like, you know, they'll, they'll try and open me up to talk Aww. about it and everything. I'd be like, Hey, like, you I'm know, is there something going on or whatever? Or even then they'll, they'll notice the small changes in like the way that I'll text and everything. And they'll be like, Oh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they may, they may know, they might already know what it was in relation to, and they'll kind of quell my thoughts without, um, having Aww, me to say it and everything, which has been really so nice. Yeah, yeah. Like the other night, I'm glad you have that. yeah, the other night we were texting and stuff about, um, I, I don't remember that was, was it there, there was been like a busy weekend. They've been working a lot and everything. And I said that I was going to give them some time to just relax and everything. And they said, uh, thank you. Um, and just make sure you don't panic over it because we're still good. There's nothing wrong here. And just because I just because I want some me time. And I was like, 
okay, cool. <laughs> like literally that's avoided so, all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. They, it's but, so nice when you have someone that I've under, yeah, that understands. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really great. I've been making a lot of progress on dealing with it. Um, or rather like not letting it quite control me in that regard. So it's been, exactly. it's, it's been, it's been nice, um, to have that, but yeah, RSD sucks. <laughs> it really does. It's learning to get over it has been, uh, like you said, a, a big struggle, but mm. it, it's, I too have been making like strides in, you know, being able to, um, kind of like like you said like it doesn't necessarily go away but you learn to not latch on to it and yeah. like grip it as much but just sort of let it pass and do its thing yeah. without me so you don't exacerbate things yeah definitely now so the, the last and most critical question that i do have is do you think that you'll ever be able to roll above a six consistently <laughs> fuck <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not yeah it is it is uh, it is the the bane of any character i make it's if I make a character that is uh, min maxed or like has good stats or anything, they're going to roll poorly. If I make a shit character, they're going to ra- roll amazingly forever until they're not. Yeah. yeah. That's just, that's generally how so it goes. Fun. Yeah. We were talking about, I think maybe me and Celeste were talking about merch ideas and we were like, we just need to get a pair of dice that just land each on a three so that it's just a six. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh we can make one for chris that's just double sixes because he seems to like he's always like double sixes and i'm just like how do you keep right that? it's just like oh i mean like my luck has to go somewhere you know i'm yeah. I, i'm happy for it if it gives me more opportunities to uh have dane grow and stuff i'm always happy to yeah, do it so for sure but yeah sure. N- never gonna roll above a six so Good, good. I don't want you to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess you, you probably should at some point because I can't have him fail everything. Yeah, but, I'll level uh, up too much. So, yeah. I'm already yeah. like two levels above everybody. You know, know that, right? <laughs> I'm not surprised by it because like you just keep, I always call it, I jokingly call this system, uh, it's got a fuck up to level up yeah. system. So Dane is, Dane is good at that. Yeah. Dane is very good it's at really that. good at fucking up. But thankfully, yeah, he's awesome. he's got some stuff in place to keep him alive, so he can continue leveling up. Yeah. yeah. So, anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go? Um. Uh. Nothing except for uh, I guess to everybody listening, um, you know, uh, it's okay to ask for help. You know, Aww, it's yeah. it's it's okay. Um, nobody's perfect, and we all have moments and stuff where. Uh, we get on our get in our own heads and everything, and um, it's okay to ask for help. You know, talk to a friend, family member, loved one, and all that kind of stuff. There's plenty of resources and stuff out there. Um, if you don't feel you can talk to anybody close to you, because I know that I've had those problems sometimes, um, mm-hmm. but just know uh, you're not alone in this big, wonderful, mystical, uh, all sometimes terrible world that we live in. But that's, you know, somebody's out there uh, willing to give an ear and, you know, be a shoulder or something for you uh, Mm because nobody wants to be alone like that. So, yeah. Oh, you sweetheart. Uh, That's me. (laughs) Yeah, that's you. So. Um, All right. Well, great. Uh, So. 
Um, yep. Thanks for talking with us and we will get to see where Dan goes next. Yep. All right. 